Pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the latest in our series of spoiler specials and the latest, in fact, in our series of weekly spoiler specials dedicated to the new Star Wars live-action TV show, The Mandalorian. Oh, this one. <laughs> one day they'll do a Haunted House episode and we'll... <laughs> We'll be right on point with that. Uh, This one is dedicated to chapter six. Just two more chapters to go after this. It is the episode called The Prisoner, in which Mando is not a number. He's a man. And join him, or Mando. Anyway, joining me to discuss it, as ever, are three of the finest X-Wing pilots around. My three colleagues of such lethal cunning. And once again, they've chosen a funny... Funny Star Wars kind of related name on Squadcast. So first up, we have Patrick McGowan. <gasps> Patrick McGowan's on the show. Oh my what? God, no, what a guess. of course not. He's dead. It's Helen O'Hara. Hello. How are you doing? I am fine, Helen O'Hara. How are you? I am well, thank you. Um, you know, there aren't a huge number of um, female roles in Star Wars. That's been my theme so far with uh, with these names. There aren't that many. I didn't like this week's girl, one girl. So I went for Patrick McGoon instead because I was, you know, coming at it sideways from the episode title. I like it. I like your thinking. Uh, Patrick McGoon, of course, was the the star and the driving force behind mm. the Prisoner TV show. Uh, he also... I believe, holds the record for the highest number of appearances as the bad guy on Columbo. I believe Amazing. he was the, uh, I believe he was four different murderers on Columbo. <laughs> four different murderers. That's some One week did he turn up with the, with the glasses, with the fake nose, with the moustache, plastic disguise <laughs> thing. They gave him yeah. a different hat one week. <laughs> Someone can correct me, but I'm pretty sure it's four. Uh, Jack Cassidy and Dick Van Dyke both played the murderer three times, and I think the Shat is also is a three timer. Um, Columbo, for all his genius, never recognises that these people look alike. <laughs> it's very, very strange. Uh, anyway, you heard his voice there. Uh, he is, of course, Baby Yoda's soft ear, which is, this is Aww. getting increasingly sexual, Ben Travis. <laughs> it's not. You're taking it in that direction. It is a purely platonic affection for baby Yoda's soft ear why why one ear is are you saying one ear is softer than the other like he has a soft ear and a hard ear or did it just not give you the character count for the s i would love the opportunity to find out which ear is softer uh partly it was the character count i mean the character count didn't allow for i can't believe they dropped baby yoda this week how dare they drop baby yoda um so i had to go for this instead all right. Okay. Baby Yoda's soft ear, left or right? We'll find out maybe by the end of this season. Uh, you also heard his voice there. It is, of course, Cheeky Mandos, aka James Dyer. How are you? Hello. Yes, I'm fine. I don't understand the name you've chosen. Uh, allow me to walk you through it step by step. I have chosen this week, in keeping with my bounty hunter theme, a variation on Four Lom. Okay. Uh-huh. Four Lom. Yes, yes, we all know who Four Lom is. We, we all have the action of course, figure. Of course. And I have chosen. Herbert Forlom. Now, you must know who Herbert Lom is, right? He was Inspector Dreyfus in the Peter Sellers Pink Panther movies. I see what you've done there. I Ring did not bell. understand. I was focusing on the Forlomness of it. We're all on the same page now. Clearly, I'm very tired this morning. Your punning game has... Uh, well, you know, it's it's sometimes hard to work out whether we're going for sort of like transcendental puns or just some, somewhat oblique references or really just fetishizing parts of Baby Yoda's anatomy. When we had uh, when we had Sarah Phelps in on the... Uh, she was a co-host on the Pilot TV podcast one, one week. She, the conversation got around to Baby Yoda fleshlights. Um, oh, no. I will. If you want to know how that conversation went, then I can only uh, I encourage you to listen to the episode. 
I would strongly encourage you to run far and fast in the opposite hey, direction. Look, they don't call it the pervert for nothing. Hang That's on. what I'm saying. Hang on. Fleshlights, remind yeah. me what they are. No, you, Remind me. As you forget, Chris, this, there's a video thing and we can see what's on the shelves behind you. So uh, I think you need no explanation. I've got my baby Yoda flashlight. I've got my four long flashlight. No, seriously, what are flashlights? Are they the things that you, that, I, how does that work? So that's the thing that you, you, you pop on the end of your Johnson. Is that correct? I, this is my understanding, yes. It's like a oh, wank that. torch. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> wank torch. <laughs> well, it's, never... it's, it's astonishing to me, Ben, that you weren't approached to be part of their marketing team. <laughs> Deep sigh. Oh, it's like a torch. You put it on your dick. Flashlight <laughs> isn't that far away from wank torch. I've got to figure that wank torch was on the, the, the giant board at those meetings. Like, what do we call it? Flashlight? Wank torch. You know, there's, there's all sorts of uh, options for it. It's or so inappropriate. Predator flashlight. No. Of which there is one. No. Mm. Hang on. All oh, right. Chris, no, don't look it up. I've got Please to. Don't. I've got to. You oh, look, you it already really came up don't. in my Google search. It's, it's, oh, it's self completed. That's weird. Uh, right. Predator flashlight. Oh, no. Oh, 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 no. There's no way to unsee uh, these things once yeah. you've seen them. Did we not learn that this? That was my question. Did we not you? learn this from the whole Avengers <laughs> sex oh, toys Oh, no, tobacco? there's a picture of someone actually fucking one on oh, my Oh, you're Google. kidding. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, well, this has gone in an unexpected unsee. direction. Does anyone have a neuralizer? Anywho, this is a family-friendly podcast uh, for a family-friendly show. Uh, and in this episode, which is co-written and directed by the returning Rick Famuyiwa, who also cameos at the end as the wonderfully named Jib Dodger. Uh, Mando is recruited by an old acquaintance, Ranzar Malk, as part of a team undertaking a dangerous mission to storm a prison ship and free a prisoner. Naturally, things don't go well, and there are double crosses and triple crosses and even quadruple crosses before Mando emerges triumphant, having turned the tables on Malk and his team, including a Twi'lek, who seems to be an old flame of Mando's. Mm. Interesting. Um, now, let's talk about the episode in general terms before we dig deep into its many, many pleasures. Um, the last couple of weeks, I've been slightly critical of Chapter 4 and Chapter 5 for being bog-standard episodes of the week that do nothing to further the overall narrative arc of the show. And that is an accusation you could absolutely level at this week's as well. Except, I thought this was cracking. Mm. What did you guys think? Yeah, I think it's really good. It's visually really, really, really impressive. Um, just, you know, in terms of some of the lighting and stuff, you know, all those red corridors in the prison ship, um, some of the use of um, the lights going off as well. What, you know, that, that classic shot of sort of somebody creeping up on someone in the dark, except it's Mando doing the creeping and Mayfeld being crept up on, which is fine because he's a dick. And just it just seemed to have a bit more flair and a bit more kind of whimsy sometimes to it as well. Um, we get that incredible Baby Yoda double take uh, towards the end when he faces off against Zero. You know, it's just got a little bit more, I guess, zip to it. And I think it worked that they got, well, for the most part, that they got really good character actors for this team that he's reluctantly recruited onto um, because it kind of gave everything a little bit more edge than it might otherwise have had. Yeah. And everyone loves a, like a heist story, don't they? It's a, it's a real 
easy thing to do but doing a high story with all of the star wars trappings if i felt like he used those star wars elements in a more satisfying way than last week's even though last week went so deep into familiar sort of star warsiness so even just the look of the prison ship with the um sort of imperial decor presumably they all go there's like a an imperial ikea or something and they use all the same paddling those little elements and all the yeah having new sort of twilight characters and i don't know it felt more like a textured part of that world that we got to explore through this fun heist story rather than last week's which just didn't really mesh the sort of the story that they tried to play off on tatooine didn't really work for me whereas this one yeah i thought it was great it was exciting it was fun it's a new Republic prison ship, which does beg the question as to why there was a mouse robot running around, unless it's old Imperial stuff that they've requisitioned uh, and repurposed. But uh, yeah, I like the look of the ship. But this, fun. this is this is the last, thankfully, of these kind of procedural episodes that dot the middle of this series, the kind of padding episodes. Uh, but uh, it is the best, I would say, of the three as well. Um, I, I like this one. I think it's fun. And I think Helen's right. Like, I think the casting in this one really helps. You've got Natalia Taino, our, our favourite Osha from Game of Thrones, or Tonks, if you're more of a Harry Potter person and that bill burr who i'm led to believe is some kind of funny person clancy brown clancy, clancy brown, brown the kurgan himself i as, mean have uh, you even have you even made a geek property if clancy brown doesn't turn up at some point i mean <laughs> yeah. come on people as a deveronian the sort of mm. demon looking mm. aliens uh obviously famously debuting in the star wars cantina originally in in the first film yeah um, and yeah, richard, richard Iowadi as the voice yeah. of Zero. south london's own yeah. richard Iowadi. i always see him bobbing around my local neighborhood so if i do i'm gonna be like i enjoyed zero and then he's gonna run away probably know yeah. who i am yeah. <laughs> and, and mark boone jr as well he was the corrupt cop in batman begins more importantly bobby elvis in sons of anarchy Sure. Mm, that's what I recognise him from. <laughs> yeah, he's great. I like him a lot. But and 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 Deborah Chow, uh, Dave mm. Filoni, and Rick Famuyiwa would turn up as uh, as pilots at the end of this, which is nice. And I don't know if you know spotted that the uh, New Republic officer that they mm-hmm. essentially kill is um, uh, what's his chops? Uh, who does Matt the voice? Of, Matt, Matt Lanter. Lanter. Who does the voice of Anakin in Clone Wars? Yes. So, mm-hmm. so that was a nice nod. Indeed. I like that. I like that they're taking stuff that from the others you know, from other bits of Star Wars lore and kind of feeding it in here and just giving it that little bit of extra depth. I also really enjoy the fact that, I mean, we kind of get that this is a crew of maybe not great people, but one of them literally looks like the devil and Hmm. another one literally (laughs) looks like the fly. And it's just, it's like, okay, so this is probably not the good guys just on, I don't want to, I don't want to judge, you know, based on appearances, but judging on appearances, you know, this is horrific. It's, It's evolutionary. (laughs) <laughs> it's evolutionary. It's how we. It's how we're still alive. You judge in appearances. You see a snake and you go, "That's bad," and uh, and therefore you avoid the snake. And that's and how we're still alive. You see a predator flashlight and you think, "Oh, that's very mm. bad," and that's why you don't <laughs> stick your bits in it. It's very, very, very bad. It's a very bad boy. Uh, stop, and that's what. That's stop, what you stop. think. What? Oh. What? <laughs> You've been a naughty predator, haven't you? That's what you say. And then you must punish the predator. Anyway. Anyway. I thought this was a cracking episode. I, I loved all the little nods. I loved all the little bits of uh, casting. At the end, I was like, that's Dave Filoni turning up as an X-Wing fighter <laughs> pilot. And then I thought, is that Rick Famuyiwa? And then I had to look up. I don't know what Deborah Chow looks like. I do now, obviously. Uh, but yes, it's it's a lovely mm. nod. That it's, a, it's a three of them. Um, because I don't know if Bryce Dallas Howard cameos in this show, but uh, Taika obviously is in the show. And he's the only other director as well. So uh, And Fabs is in this one as well. You get a very brief glimpse of Favs' character from Solo. That's right. Yeah, it's Rio one of the prisoners Durand. on the ship. 
<gasps> the guy with this with the, yes. the forearmed Eyes. thing. Although clearly not actual Rio Durand, for he is dead. Oh yeah, that's yeah. what I was wondering. Yes, because uh, Brian Herring, who plays BB-8, plays BB-8, who is BB-8 um, in many, many ways. He puppeteers BB-8 in the uh, in the Star Wars movies. He slid into my DMs to tell me that that is actually the original Rio puppet, which is interesting. Because mm. I thought Rio was mostly CG, but they must have used uh, a certain amount of puppeteering uh, as mm. well from that one. So, oh, yeah. that's cool. I was like, I thought I recognized that guy. But uh, yeah, Favs has already had his cameo, but the trio of directors. So uh, Dave Filoni plays Trapper Wolf. Hmm. Uh, Rick Famuyiwa, as I've already said, plays Jib Dodger. And Deborah Chow plays Sash Ketter. Best name. I mean, yeah. I, that's clearly they've just had an evening over the Star Wars name generator and just gone yeah. to town, haven't they? <laughs> I, also, I so. Mark Boone Jr. plays Ranzar Malk. I mean, it's just a, it's an episode of great names. I mean, Jib Dodger sounds like he should be on a sailing ship. Let's be honest. Um, but the rest are classic Star Wars. And Trapper Wolf, I mean, he could be in The Revenant. He could be. He could be. Yeah. Or Chuck Norris' character. Or, or something <laughs> yes, like that. Yes, definitely. Um, but one of the reasons why I really like this episode, and actually, in fairness, I should also uh, preface this with a bit of a caveat, because um, I went back and re- revisited last week's episode last night. I watched them both with my wife because she hadn't seen Chapter 5. And revisiting Chapter 5, it actually played a lot better for me second time around. Mm. So I, I want to uh, walk back some of my criticisms last of last week's uh, episode. Um, also, Ben... You were talking last week about there being a, a dearth of Baby Yoda moments. There are two that we missed. There are two we didn't talk about from last week's episode. Ooh. There's a bit at the very beginning in the cold open when uh, Mando turns all the lights out on his uh, on the uh, on the Razor Crest, and you can hear Baby Yoda laughing in the dark, just joyfully because he thinks it's a game, and he just goes hee 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 hee, and it's just oh, it's it's incredible, absolutely incredible. And then of course the bit where Mando puts him in the sort of little safety cupboard mm-hmm. for safekeeping and he's asleep. He's and asleep. And he's like, oh, he's so, he's so Sleepy cute. Sleepy baby Yoda. Well, that feels a bit ears. like um, this week when uh, when Zero is trying to get Baby Yoda towards the end. It also feels like Baby Yoda thinks it's a game there where every time Zero peeks around a corner, Baby Yoda's gone and he's somewhere else. It's like a little <laughs> game of hide and seek. He's so cute. But mm. I think Baby Yoda knows what Zero's up to. He, mm-hmm. He's got mm-hmm. his number. And a number is zero, presumably. <laughs> but uh, he knows that he's going to be for the chop, which is why he does that adorable thing of trying to use the force on him. Yeah, do you think he was trying to do force lightning? It felt like he was trying to go for a little zap. That is a no, dark I think he was side power, just, Ben. Yeah, I think he was just going to lift him out of the way. Come on, Baby Yoda mm. wouldn't do force lightning. I think he was trying to manipulate his mind, or to, but it doesn't work in droids, does it? And that's why he looks a little bit like, did that work? At the end, whenever Mando <laughs> shoots him from behind. <laughs> that great bit where he just looks at his hand like, whoa, did I do that? <laughs> that was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Good old baby Yoda. But the reason I, I really like this episode, that I absolutely connected with this episode, is because I thought this is kind of what an episode of the week could be mm-hmm. when I first heard about The Mandalorian. That it could be a bunch of slightly, slightly immoral badasses doing slightly immoral badass things. And it was really, really cool. Um, and a number, a number of times I thought, this is like aliens in space or aliens in space aliens is in space you moron uh, but this is like a Star Wars riff on on aliens in a way even down to that shot where he does creep up and Bill Burr in, in the in the dark with the, uh, mm. the emergency lighting going on and off that felt very alien that was so cool yeah. I mean it, it me. doesn't stand up to scrutiny of 
you know, physics, but I loved it. I it was great. <laughs> oh, pish posh with your physics. Since when does physics have a place in the Star Wars universe? Just saying. Lightsabers much? I mean, come on. How dare you? <laughs> What do we like about the episode? Do we, do we like that this is a harder-edged episode? Uh, at, at one point, it's quite a sweary episode, as Star Wars things go. The word wise-ass is said at one point. The oh. word bastard is said at another point. And it is implied, although I never believed it for a second, that Mando has just gone around cold-bloodedly killing all the members of his uh, of his team. Wouldn't have been cold-bloodedly, um, would it? Hmm. Really? I think it would have been fairly cold-blooded. Well, no, because what's the face? The Twilight girl, Shan, tries to kill him with knives. The giant guy, Berg, tries to crush him and murder him. <laughs> they all try to kill him. I'd say it's it's no court in the land would convict him of that. Uh, well, so, yes, they would, well, would. Uh, actually, <laughs> as your lawyer. <laughs> but you're right. He might, in some cases, be able to get, like, second degree or manslaughter or something. Potentially. Honestly, I wouldn't rely on that as your main defence. But he's a Mandalorian. Uh huh. I don't think that's a defense either. You'd probably just get 10 years for Mando slaughter. That's. Hey. Oh, come on. So you're saying he hot bloodedly. Weirdly, I thought. He would have killed him hot bloodedly. I quite, I quite like the idea that he'd gone around and murdered them all. I thought it gave him edge. Like, I thought, oh, this is taking yeah. on a really dark turn. I really like it. Yeah. And then it was a bit of a shame at the end. You see them all in the cells, and it's like, oh, mm. he's just. I thought you were a badass, but you've just thrown them in a cell. Also, you know, fair play to Berg. His entire body gets crushed by a blast door, and yet he looks perfectly fine. Mm. Yeah. He seems to have a That's... headache, though. So. I mean, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I love that moment. I thought it was absolutely hilarious when he's when you think he's been crushed by the first door, and no, he rises into frame again because he's Clancy Brown. And he's never going to be crushed by a door, uh, and then comes the second door, and then you think that's it. <laughs> that's all she wrote. Well, thank goodness for that. Quite frankly, I mean, you know, if we if the Clancy Brown plays a character in this universe, we want him to kind of stick around so we can possibly see him one day again. Now with a grudge and an even more anger. Ideally, <laughs> I will say I wasn't too sure about the whole literal like demon look. He looked like more like something out of Buffy than out of Star Wars. I would say <laughs> felt slightly more on that like fantasy end than the sort of sci-fi alien side of things. Well, it's one of many quite... kind of callbacks in this particular episode. Mm. Having a Deveronian in, I don't, to the best of my knowledge, and I could well be wrong. I don't think we've seen one since the first Star Wars. No, I don't think we have. Um, but it always, it always throws me. In fact, when I when I watch uh, the original Star Wars. And there's like this demon-looking motherfucker in the cantina. It's like, where did he come from? It does Same actually as the werewolf have, guy. Yeah. It does actually have a fine and storied history in science fiction as well. Um, not least due to Arthur C. Clarke's fantastic novel, Childhood's End, um, which has aliens making first contact with Earth, basically laying down the law for humanity um, and not revealing who, what they look like for a long time. And then it turns out they look like demons and there's a whole story behind it. Um, but yeah, there, it, it is a sci-fi th- trope as well as a mm-hmm. fancy one, I Space would say. Space demons. But then there's, there's a reference to Canto Bite in this one as well, which mm-hmm. felt a little clunky. As I quite enjoyed the Gungan gag, even though it wasn't the most subtle uh, reference. <laughs> that made uh, me laugh. Yeah, it made me laugh a bit. That whole when they're trying to take... When, when Clancy Brown tries to pull his helmet off, that, uh, you know... Ooh, that, that <laughs> was amusing. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the other thing that I thought was quite nice was seeing 
people scared of X-Wings. Uh, I thought that was kind of a cool nod. It's not really something we've seen in Star Wars before because we've always been with the Rebels. But seeing that they are kind of a formidable thing, that people do worry when the X-Wings show up, that that means something, um, I just thought it was kind of cool. I hadn't come across that before. Do we think the New Republic... Like, so, the, so when Chekhov's fucking homing beacon turns up and you're like, right, I wonder if that's going to feature again. And, uh, and, and it basically summons this sort of trio of X-Wings who shoot first, ask questions, later that doesn't seem <laughs> yeah. particularly New Republic of yes so yeah, our first devices we have this button when we press this button you just jump out of light speed and blow the shit out of anyone you see no questions asked deal brilliant this sounds like an odd an odd MO Jim did that look like a bus full of children no no Trapper Wolf uh, it looks like a heavily armed military transport let's just move on with our lives it was like, oh, they're launching a gunship. Therefore, let's blow them all up. It, it, it Not just be are there any hostages? I mean, are there any hostages inside? We don't know. Yeah. And they didn't just blow up the gunship. They proceeded to keep yeah. shooting until they blew up the station. Yeah. So, do we think that's it? Do we think that everybody who was on that ship is is gone? Could we, you know, do you think, do we think Ranzar Malk got off somehow? Who knows. Maybe. I mean, he ran for it, so there's just about enough plausible deniability for him to survive. I think we can say goodbye to annoying boy, Quinn. Um, <laughs> Quinn, as is his name. Yeah, yes, but, uh, the, or... the, but yeah, there, there's at least a vague possibility um, for, for Ranzar. His name is Quinn, but you can tell he's science fiction-y because there's no U in it. It's just Q-I-N, thus spacey. Or but not, Chinese. But not spacey. No, not Kevin Spacey. That'd be weird. No, no, no. Mm. Yeah, Kevin Spacey showing up and this would be terrible. Um, and in fact, they should throw him into the prison and not let him out. That's what I say. Boo to Kevin Spacey. Join me. Boo. Okay. okay. So <laughs> I will also boo. It's not controversial to boo Kevin Spacey. No, it's not. Boo. Yeah. It's not. It's boo not. Kevin Spacey. Boo. Boo to Kevin Spacey. On the, um, uh, on the yes. Canto Bite reference... Mm. Um, I'm reading into this too much, but basically, so they compared the Razor Crest negatively to a Canto Byte slot machine. Mm. Does this imply that at this point, Canto Byte is not the flourishing, uber luxurious casino that we see in Last Jedi? Is it a bit of a shithole at this point? I think they're saying it looks like a slot machine. (laughs) I think I'm thinking about that line more than they did when they yes. They were like, oh, let's reference other things in Star Wars, because that will be great. And there were slot machines on Canto Bite because otherwise that dude wouldn't have kept feeding gold coins into BB-8, mm-hmm. which he then used as missiles. So, <laughs> yeah, there's definitely slot machines there as well. It's like a Monte Carlo casino as a bad thing. I don't know. It was weird. But I did like I do like all these little kind of nods here and there. It, it, like I said last week, it sort of ties the universe together. I like them referencing things that you see in different eras in the films in mm. time periods that you haven't seen them before. Please note that they only want Mando for his ship in this, which seems a little bit tenuous. It's like they want a ship because it's off the radar. It's not registered. It's a bit shit. It was unclear mm-hmm. to me why, but apparently they only want I think it was basically, ship. it was almost like it was, um, it's almost a Battlestar Galactic thing. It's almost like this is non-digital. <laughs> it's, yeah, so it can get past ship. the whatevers. Yeah. Um, but they do want a fi- fifth man for this five man job. I don't know why it's a five man job rather than a four man job. It doesn't seem to make a difference. But, you know, maybe it's like Ocean's Eleven. You know, we've got 10. You think we need one more? You think we need one more? Yeah. You know, it's. I think that's it. But at the same time, they wouldn't have succeeded. But they obviously they didn't succeed. But they, they didn't. Well, they were did, going to succeed. Mm. In fact, they did succeed in their primary objective, which was to free Quinn. And they wouldn't have done that without Mando. 
So, yeah. ergo, they did need him. I guess. I'm not but sure what But they spent half of their time trying to, you know, get rid of him. So I feel like if they'd refocused that energy on maybe just not getting rid of anyone, but getting their prisoner off the station, then maybe that would have worked just as well. I just, I don't know. It's an idea. Is that what they were doing? They were there to get Quinn off? Oh, the no. The station, yeah. The station. Okay. <laughs> Good. Oh, my word. What a or well-finished sentence. Uh, yes. But without Nemando, they would have been pinned down by all the droids. And it was very convenient that it was mm. a droid um, operated and, and <laughs> droid manned, if you will, station, uh, except for that one guy. Like, what was he doing? <laughs> what was his story? What was he? What was he there for? I love how he's, he's got the old school rebel helmet and a tie yeah. <laughs> and nice shoes, yeah. as they pointed out. Lovely shoes, lovely mm. shoes. Um, also, how does she kill him? She throws a knife throws at a him. Knife at him. Well, where? Uh, somewhere vital. It kills clearly. him instantly. Yeah. It's an instant death. <laughs> it's, a, it's an an insta death knife. I'm going to say that except for a knife to the heart and a knife to the brain, which didn't happen because it's a you know PG-13 show, there aren't many places, and again, people can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, mainly by writing in, not actually showing me. There aren't many places you can just throw a knife into someone and they will die instantly. But they have little glowy bits on the knife, so maybe mm-hmm. they like shoot lasers into you. Yeah, I think that's... I think- <laughs> Lasers, blazers. <laughs> Michelle. Yeah, I, th- I, I assumed that was it. I assumed there was something extra going on with the little knife. Also, this is just a, you know, a fundamental th- fact about sort of PG violence in movies. Like, you, you show things that are objectively super violent. You just don't show the death throes or the blood. And for some reason, that's better mm. if you don't show people being in agony when they would be in agony. I don't know. But it's the difference, you know, it's, it's one of those things that always annoys me like in golden compass where they rip off the bear's jaw but there is not a drop of blood it's okay to show the jaw skittering across the ice but no blood that's the difference yep. or like in uh attack of the clones when uh Django gets his head cut off Django fed gets his head cut off oh and, yeah uh, although well, a lightsaber would be might cauterize. lightsaber's yes. cauterized yeah yeah, yeah that's true yeah although Ponga's barber's arm does bleed on the floor this is true that's true, this is true. there would be there would be droplets of blood. I don't think you'd be like pissing blood. It wouldn't be like a Sam Peckapaw movie. You wouldn't be going around like just, you know, or like the Eric Eidlin in uh, National Lampoon's European Vacation. You wouldn't just be <laughs> skiting blood everywhere. I, you know, but I think there would be a certain amount of, of drops. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, we've, we've, we've pondered this before, but how does Django Fett's head not just fall out of the helmet when Boba picks it up at the end of Attack of the Clones? Yeah. Yeah, it makes no sense. No. <laughs> well, as we discussed um, previously about Mando's helmet, it must have some kind of memory mm. foam cushioning in there, mm. so that it's well, so that it's good because that's how he sleeps in it, and mm-hmm. that's true. That and stuff. we've dis- we've discussed this about Tony Stark as well. Like we never see his inertial dampeners, but he must have some, or his his head would be mush. So. <laughs> You know, I think there's a lot of helmet technology that we're just not subject to, and we just don't know enough about. Let me just let me just Google this. Tony Stark. Oh, it's self-completed as fleshlight. I don't know, I don't know how that happened. Oh, God. Did someone say anyway. helmet technology? <laughs> <laughs> that was a, that was another discarded name. Uh, it would be amazing if the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe was Tony Stark's dying death fantasy, and he had just he'd smashed his brain to mush in his first flight as, as Iron Man. <laughs> just have dreamt the whole thing and then died 
So there are other characters to talk about in this episode. Uh, There is, of course, the Twi'lek. The Twi'lek named, who's named, of course, is Sian. And she's played by uh, Natalia Tena. uh, And it's heavily implied, almost outright stated, that she and Mando have bumped uglies in the past. I don't see how that's possible. Well, he has to keep his helmet on, so... (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that's it? He takes everything off apart from the helmet. I don't even think he'd... I mean, he wouldn't necessarily even need to take everything off. We don't know the exact uh, plumbing situation (laughs) on there. I don't know. Um, Wow. Hey. Yeah. It's a double Hamilton. It's what it is. It's it's a dual helmet experience. Uh, So, yeah, that, that, that would be fine. That'd be fine. All he has to do is just remove his nethers. And then he's fine. He's good to go. Yep, I guess. So, But what do we make of that relationship? I am going to go out on a limb here and say it would be hella unhealthy because she's a fucking psycho. <laughs> yeah, very toxic. <laughs> Super toxic vibe coming off that whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. And thank God they didn't rekindle that with Baby Yoda around. Oh, if you walked in, that would be deeply upsetting. That would. Although yes. the, the joke about, you know, did you two produce this was kind of funny, <laughs> but... And then, of course, we have uh, we have Mayfeld, played by Bill Burr. And I, I was reading about how Bill Burr, uh, who, James, is not just a comedian uh, and a very good one, but you will recognise him, of course, from Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Where he, he played a, a fairly prominent role uh, in the last couple of seasons. He was one of, uh, one of Saul Goodman's kind of go-to mm. guys. He's not a Star um, Wars fan, old Bill Burr. No, he's not. Isn't it? What? He, yeah, he How ran into Favs at a birthday party and ended up getting a role that way. Wow. It's that simple. We just All don't we go to the right to parties. Do, we don't go to the right parties, or indeed any or, parties. Or any parties. <laughs> <laughs> this is a kind of a party, don't you think? Uh, I mean, in the modern, as in last two months, definition of the word, sure, this is a party. You know, prior to March 2020, this is not a party. <laughs> I mean, James is yawning very loudly. Very so tired. He's very. Were you up all night? Uh, up all night partying? Yes, that yes, that's exactly what I was doing. Uh, were you badgering Favs for a role at a party? I was actually watching Bosch. <laughs> of course, really. You yeah, love a bit of Bosch. People watch that. Cool, because it's fabulous, Ben. Everybody loves a bit of Titus Welliver. Yeah, yeah. his face is his warrant. Yeah, um, it is. But what did we think of Bill Burr? In this, what did we think of Mayfeld and his incredible uh, array of blasters? But his blasters were cool. shit, uh, mainly because mm. when they first encounter the security droids, all of his blaster shots ricochet off the droids and are utterly ineffectual. And then the next time he encounters them, they're suddenly able to pierce their armor. So I don't like his blasters. Clearly, are faulty and inconsistent. <laughs> I did like that he, at one point, he was facing three droids and he had, of course, a blaster in each hand and one coming out of his shoulder. And I thought, oh, that's cool. Of course, he still didn't take them all down with one shot. So that was, as James says, a little bit disappointing. I enjoyed the Mexican standoff in this, though. I thought that was quite fun. They're all standing there Mm. pointing guns at each other. No one, of course, mentioning the fact that Mando is essentially blaster proof. But uh, that was fun. Mm. I do wonder if a point-blank range shot to the head, that's the real man stopper, isn't it? I mean, that's... You're not walking away from that, even if you do have best car steel, right? And it depends right? on his inertial dampeners. Yeah. I mean, same thing. <laughs> it would surely at least knock it, him out for a while. Like, yeah, and there if does they were going to be... abandon him on the ship, then they could presumably get him at close range. He'd be out for a, an hour at least, and then they could saunter off. Like Luke mm. Cage and Jessica Jones, when she shoots him in the face with a shotgun. Because while he's bulletproof, yes. it gives him a concussion. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 
Um, and also, I mean, there is a little bit of a lip between sort of shoulder and, and helmet. So there might be a very good shot might just hit him where it hurts, as it were. Protect your neck, as the Wu-Tang Clan said. Yep. He, so he Wise words, wise words. <laughs> uh, he does get hit, of course, by one of Sian's knives. You can hear him going, oh, mm. um, she gets him. I don't know where she hits him in the, in the shoulder blade or something like that. So, you know, there are parts of his body that are, are vulnerable to the touch. Yeah. I really liked the uh, sequence where the droids have them pinned down and then Mando somehow gets behind the droids don't ask um how he did that but he did and if it's so easy to get behind the droids why didn't they all get behind the droids <laughs> but anyway he's mando that's what he does yeah that was uh, really cool that was great like the action some of the action stuff in this was great and mm-hmm. was it rick famiglia who did the second episode um yes. of the show which for me uh, actually both of those two are my favourite episodes so far I think and I think the action in both of those has been great some of the really sort of punchy combat stuff um, I, I really liked uh, Mando sort of having to use all the tricks in his arsenal getting his grappling gun out uh, and then later on when he's fighting the big devil dude um, he spaffs all of his whistling birds and they do nothing and he's no. using his flamethrowers but his flamethrowers don't do anything I, I thought there was mm. some really quite nice sequences where he's trying to use all the tricks in his arsenal but they're not as effective as we've seen them in the past and he's having to sort of improvise to, to get out I thought that was does great does he have whistling birds? I must have missed that he does he, he got does, some yeah. more he, he mm. fight, in fact he fires two rounds of them Like I think accidentally I think it's in the in the brawl they get sort of shot off but they don't do any damage uh, so oh. he wastes them we know how valuable those things are yeah and I like that the devil-looking dude was, I'm sorry, I'm just calling him that, was uh, was immune to fire because that was just a, a really cool visual. And again, a nice yet sort of... the droids of, um, were not for some reason. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, droids are a bit rubbish in this universe, aren't they? <laughs> that is very honest. true. And that's why Mando doesn't trust them. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. is it? We still don't really know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've only we've only had hints that uh, droids were responsible for all the bad things in his life. <laughs> but uh, the architects of all his pain. They oh, really God. are, but uh, I'm sure he'll come round on droids one day. They all, they all do. They all seem to do. But yeah, I thought this was a really good episode, and just in terms of Mando being a badass, that that mm. was one of the reasons why I liked it. Uh, there were a couple of times I went, "Yeah, go on, Mando," but maybe that's just me. Who no, knows? definitely. No, no. Like I say, creeping up in that corridor mm. with the flashes of light was. I loved. So I loved it cool. when when Mando goes on the rampage and it all dips mm. into kind of like horror tropes where like the lights go out. They cut the power. And it's like it's all red, and then the strobing thing, and he's coming up on him because that's a real sort of uh, you know ring moment, isn't it? Where he's there and he's not mm-hmm. there, and he's there and he's not there, and then he's behind him. And you're like, yes. it's like, how did you get behind me? Like you, <laughs> you're wearing metal armor. And you, every footstep you take, you should clank like a battalion. So how are you doing this? That's, that's all the bits of the armor, all the bits of the armor, inertial dampeners and memory foam. I'm telling you, it's the <laughs> yeah. only thing that makes sense. The, the, One the day we're going to understand are, this. <laughs> the shoes are basically like slippers. <laughs> yes, this basically they're so they're like uh, they're like um, mahabis. They're so yeah, or, or Uniqlo oh. room shoes. Oh, what are they? Very comfy. Uh, you've ne- you've never had a pair of Uniqlo slippers. I have. Yeah, I, don't, I don't do slippers. I don't do slippers. I have a pair hey, of them uh, on my take- feet at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Hey. Oh my god. Room shoes for the win. Oh my goodness. Yes. Oh my goodness, that's incredible! Uh, room shoes—that's room shoes. What, what, what a concept! I've learned about <laughs> flashlights, inertial dampeners, and room shoes in this episode. You're going to have like- a comfy weekend, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm going to be mainly salt, but uh, yes, I will oh. be. <laughs> what? I'll be tired, but I'll be comfortable, Ben. And that's 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 the main thing. That's the main thing. Uh, anyway, this episode is all about the double cross, and we all we all know the double cross is coming. Um, so they might as well not have bothered having it. That's <laughs> what I'm going to say. <laughs> And I think as well, because the thing I was slightly confused about is that especially the recap before the episode teased the whole thing of they're all after Mando now because Mando took baby Yoda. um, So all the bounty hunters, there's a massive bounty on him. So then why were these guys not trying to actively capture Mando? Because surely as well as freeing the Mm. Twilight guy they want to free, they could get a lot of money by nicking baby Yoda and bringing Mando in. I never quite got... That's true. sense of how much they knew or what they were trying to do with him well they definitely don't know about baby yoda because there's the whole conversation about is he a pet what mm-hmm. is this blah 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 that's that implies that they're they've been a bit off the grid maybe so maybe they also don't know about mando i guess mm-hmm. um, but you're right you would expect them to kind of keep their eye to the criminal underworld and kind of be aware of of that kind of stuff it's possible that they thought that by double crossing him and then telling the people who are after him, where he then would be, that they would get some kind of bounty, maybe? Yeah, I guess they did lock him up. Yeah. So maybe if they were able to say he's on prison ship, whatever the heck, then that would be worth something. I don't know. All right. Let's take some questions from listeners. Uh, At Phil underscore Torque asks two questions. First one is, did anyone else think Mando was going to swap outfits with the control room op guy to fool slash trap Hellboy? And I guess the answer to that is no. It would be very difficult for Mando to swap costumes with anybody, given that he would have to keep his helmet on. And mm. then the guy's hat wouldn't fit over the helmet, and you would take, take one look at him and you'd go, you're, you're Mando wearing different clothes. And he'd go, shit. Yeah. <laughs> but somebody should have taken that outfit, because it looked great. I really liked the sort of springy colours. Mm. Lovely um, It yeah. was a lovely fit. <laughs> Again, the shoes ben. were great. You were such a cold opportunist. The guy is barely <laughs> dead, and you're like, "That's I, Look, it's a pretty good costume." I mean, he's not using it. He's, he's not, not using, using it, it anymore. He doesn't need it. And also, the way she killed him is not covered in blood. No, presumably not. Depending on yeah, where she by killing him in a PG thirteen TV show, therefore the <laughs> yeah. garment was unruined. Precisely, you know. You could just sew up if there was a little little like slash in there. You could just invisible just stitch that yeah. up. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, Phil underscore Torque uh, also asks, he said that he didn't like the episode. He just simply <gasps> said, nope. Some great touches to reinforce Mando's warrior creds, but the setup felt very Doctor Who. And in fact, someone else uh, popped into my replies uh, to say that they thought it was like Doctor Who as well, at BD Horrigan. Uh, they yeah. said it felt like what Doctor Who occasionally aspires to be, but never quite succeeds. Which is interesting I, because mm-hmm. I don't watch Doctor Who on account of it being terrible. So, oh um, I mean, only sometimes. Can anyone tell me? It is actually. There is a lot of kind of we're on a ship and, and it's some kind of like prison ship or colony ship where everybody's asleep or mining ship there's a lot of different kinds of spaceships that the doctor will sometimes end up on so that or or even like stations on planet so it's basically an enclosed space surrounded by a hostile area which gives you that kind of claustrophobic feel and low budget gotcha. uh, that the BBC so loves so yeah it does I think in, okay. as far as that goes um, I would say that you don't usually get the doctor mixed up with actively criminal enterprises 
like at the oh. outset. So that but would be you a might difference. get the doctor pitching up and having to team up with a group of people they've never met before who yes. then are revealed to be shady further yes. down the line. That is possible. But All less right. okay. less likely. They're usually more kind of freedom fightery people or people who themselves have been mes- misled by a criminal mm. leader. Um so so I guess that's the major difference here for me. Okay, interesting. I just wonder how Doctor Who fans felt watching a, a show in which the special effects were convincing and whether that Sometimes they are. Rocked the back of their heels a bit. A uh, bit. Oh Sometimes. God, come after me now, aren't they? Anyway, Phil Tork also said, uh, for example, it's another mission of the week. No contribution to the wider story arc. What's his plan for the child? I think he's just running from place to place trying to get money. Um, but I thought he would, might take the fight back to Werner Herzog. Uh, maybe we'll see what happens next week. Uh, also, what is it with the now obligatory original trilogy hardware cameo of the week? Sandcrawler, speeder bikes, ATST, and now X-Wings. Come on, man. Star Wars. Oh, yeah. It's great. You've, I love you've this got shit. To have something. Yeah, you've got to know you're in a Star Wars show. For the uh, for the more hardcore review, um, the 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 big droids on the ship, not the not the walkery ones, uh, the sort of floaty black ones that were kind of like the ones you see on Hoth, but like a big tube. Were they new for the show? I mean, had we seen they, before? They, if nothing else, felt massively Doctor Who, and then they were a bit shit and BBC <laughs> budget looking. Uh, easy, Jimbo, easy. <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah, I, I yes, I've not seen those great big floating egg shit droids before, and hopefully <laughs> never will again. <laughs> Although I did like, was it was it um, Devil Dude who threw one of them into the other oh. one, and they both blew up? Mm. That was fun. <laughs> I mean, there's a fine old tradition of floating droids. That much is okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like the interrogation yeah, droid. Yeah. So that's fine. Uh, Matthew Johnson. Uh, Matthew Johnson on Twitter, uh, 1T, in case you want to head him up on the twits. Uh, regards the young adult age rating that Disney are going for. I'm not expecting a gore fest, but does a Mandalorian not killing the motley crew on the ship? Is it a good thing or a bad thing? Would it benefit from a bit of bloodshed or is this just not appropriate for a Star Wars setting? I don't know. I think a fair number of people die in Star Wars generally, so I don't think that they're against that. I think in this case, it's probably less about censorship and more to do with about character building. I think they don't, they don't want to. It's that whole Batman thing, isn't it? They don't want to show Mando as having just killed a shitload of people. Um, but yeah, I, I, I suspect it's more to do with that, to showing that, that Mando he means business and he's a badass, but he doesn't need to kill people. He just sticks them in a prison mm-hmm. cell and said, as they would have done to him. But yeah, also, it shows true. how much he's learning, right? He's learning and growing from his experiences with, with Baby Yoda. And, uh, you know, it's just mindless slaughter is now, it is no longer the way. Except, except when you're right? softer. He's becoming softer than Baby Yoda's left or right uh. ear. <laughs> we'll find out which. And he kills, obviously, Zero, um, but that's in defense of Baby Yoda. Um, so he will kill when he has to. Also, Zero's a droid, um, and he but has he may be- the droids. Well, that's true, but even so. Um, but, you know, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't necessarily have to kill the rest, presumably, Although, and therefore decides to turn the tables on them instead. A little inconsistent, because he leads the, uh, you know, that ridiculous, that looks like a, um, it looks like a garage opener from the late 80s, the little homing beacon. And he leaves that there for uh, for his mate, Ranzar, true. to die and for, for Quinn to yeah, get killed. Yeah, true. Well, maybe he doesn't know that X-Wing pilots shoot first yeah, and ask questions. The, Never. The X-Wing kill squad that it apparently summons. <laughs> he's like, oh, the New Republic will come and take them away. They'll be fine. They'll take them to a cell. And then he's watching in the rearview mirror of the Razor Crest as the whole thing gets blown up, thinking, ooh, my bad. Uh-oh. 
Whoops. Uh, at Bates Joseph on Twitter asks, uh, I loved Richard Iowati as Zero with him and Taika as IG-11. Is there anyone else in film and TV you would like to see play voice an erotic, sarcastic droid in this series? Erotic, sarcastic? Neurotic. Oh, neurotic, I was going to say an erotic. erotic, sarcastic droid. That's a genre that I'm interested in seeing more of. That was kind of the Phoebe Waller-Bridge <laughs> yeah. character in yeah, Solo. Erotic, it, sarcastic. Really? I, it's weird, isn't it, that the, the big droids of late have all been uh, voiced by essentially people best known for comedy. Um, so even Alan Tudyk as well, going back to Rogue One. Um, and, you know, maybe we should get a really big drama actor in to do some droids. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm honestly thinking like an Ian McKellen type. Like, let's let's bring drama, darling, back to droids. You and, want uh, to blast me? Honestly, I'd listen to that, wouldn't you? It'd be amazing. <laughs> Very thespy one. If we do more comedians, I want to see the Will Ferrell and John C. Riley double act of droids. <laughs> the intergalactic Catalina wine mixer. Bring Jeez. it on. Step droids. Yeah, yes, that that is the the gloriously stupid Star Wars comedy I would love to see. Why haven't we had a Vince Vaughn character in this yet? Come on, I, I thought him and Favs were mates. Surely mm. we need that as well. Yeah, come on, get on it, Favs. Honestly, <laughs> also he didn't write this episode, Favs, so he's really making a fucking liar of me from 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 the, the spoiler special two weeks ago when I very confidently stated that he wrote every single episode of the Mandalorian. Then he just probably takes the next two weeks off. We um, <sighs> we never did see Cell Block ninety nine on the prison ship, so maybe uh, yeah, Vince Vaughn's in there. Maybe Vince Vaughn's in there. <laughs> Uh, last question is from at Gareth Sounds and we talked about the soundtrack back in the first uh, episode but they want to know uh, what we think of the soundtrack now we're a few episodes in Uh, it's a real departure from the traditional Star Wars sound so does this mean future Star Wars will be different from production to production I think it just fits the show really well, yeah. doesn't it? And I, I, we were talking just before we started recording about how those themes, I love that there are quite a few different themes packed into a short amount of musical mm. space and they're all getting a chance to flourish over the um, over the course of the episode. So the sort of bow-wow-wow-wow bit is really cool. That has been playing in my head for the last hour. I like that bit. Wow. Come on, James, join in. <laughs> Fuck no. <laughs> we did this last week. We're just going to do this every single week. We'll sing our own outro. It's oh, it, so honestly, I, th- I think this is just the greatest theme tune on TV at the moment and I can say that because Picard has not wrapped up soundtracks um, to I, neither I of it. which are currently available what how Mand- dare they Mandalorian is it available and certainly the, the Picard theme is on Spotify so I'm still saying. waiting for is the it? Witcher soundtrack mm. to come out well <laughs> all you need they, they put you out just toss a coin to your Witcher on the whole thing I need it in context okay <laughs> just toss them all a right. coin James I'm sure it'll work I'm sure James will be tossing uh, something uh, after oh, this no. episode. It's been a very sexy episode, guys. I don't know about you, but uh, I'm off to take a cold bath and calm down uh, after this because that is it for our Chapter 6, The Prisoner spoiler special episode. Uh, join us next week for more Mandalorian spoiler-related fun. We'll be delving into Chapter 7, The Reckoning. Oh, featuring the return of Sash Ketter herself, Deborah Chow, behind the camera, and my good old pal, John Favs Favreau, in the writer's chair. Um, 
Uh, maybe we can hit him up for a, a cameo at a future birthday party at which he will definitely appear because we're such great mates. <laughs> no? Okay. Uh, I haven't seen that episode yet, so I'm very excited to see what happens in it. I've just had a look at the cast list. Oh, that's interesting. Anyway, okay. <laughs> it's great flying blind. It's really fun. Uh, but... Uh, until then, until that auspicious occasion, until we meet again, keep and peel for all the spoiler specials coming your way over the next uh, couple of weeks. we got tons, tons. Some we can't even announce here, but they're very exciting. James is doing one tonight. That's very exciting, isn't it, it is. James? I'm very excited yeah, about is. that one. Can we hint at what that is? No. <laughs> we can. We can. We can. We are doing a... Star Trek Picard spoiler special, a, uh, which people have been clamouring for and harassing me to do for a while now. But uh, Patrick Stewart, I've worn him down. He's finally agreed okay, to do it. Okay, I'm sorry. So I will be, I will be squad casting with Sir Pat Stew this evening to talk all things Picard. Oh my god! god. Oh my god! It's amazing. It's amazing. He's a Patrick delight. Stewart on a Picard spoiler special. Uh, We obviously, uh, as well, by the time you're listening to this, the Raid spoiler special with Gareth Evans should be up, as indeed is the Save Me Too spoiler special with Lenny James. Uh, And uh, I am going off to prepare for another spoiler special. I'm not sure if I can reveal this one, but let's just say that I have set aside an awful lot of time to talk to this person, so that might be a bit of a clue. Uh, I'd give you more, but I don't want to reach for anything. Oh, that's that is terrible. Okay. But we should say, we should say, for <laughs> those of you who have been enjoying the spoiler specials, we would very much like your feedback on our spoiler specials so far. So uh, there is a survey up online now at empireonline.com/slash/podcast-survey, uh, and we'd very much like you to let us know how you think we can improve the service. Have a, put a few thoughts there, and also by giving us your thoughts you are entered into a competition to potentially win 200 pounds of amazon vouchers and you can't say fairer than that since it's the only shop that's still fucking open so uh hooray think how many baby yodis you could buy with that can i enter the can i enter the survey you no no you can't i think the podcasts are good excellent uh so yes 200 pounds of amazon vouchers or 13 bars of beskar steel depending on what you prefer Amazing. Um, Amazing. As your lawyer, the offer of Beskar Steel is is entirely fictional. Illustrative purposes only and does not exist. Thank you. Indeed. But until then, until we meet again, I've done this bit already, but uh, it is goodbye from Helen O'Hara, a.k.a. Patrick McGowan. Toodaloo. It is goodbye from Cheeky Mandos, a.k.a. James Dyer, who's off to get some much needed sleep. I am. I'm very tired. Good night. Good night. Good night, James. Uh, it's goodbye from Baby Yoda's soft ear, a.k.a. Ben Travis. I've decided it's the left ear. That's what I'm sticking with. That's the softest um, ear? I think that's the softest so ear. Okay. Bye. And it's goodbye from Herbert Forlom, a.k.a. me. I am off to wipe my search history. I think after this episode, quite frankly, <laughs> it's for the best. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye.